a time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he held him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognised him as the same man who was sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Whilst the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Simon's, Solomon's Colonel. Thank you. We'll look, go on a little bit later. The title today is How God Transforms Lives. How God Transforms Lives. I'll be lucky to sit here, all of us, uh, with uh, the opportunity to have our lives transformed. And for many of us here, we have felt God transform our lives. When we think back to where we might be, if God hadn't come into our lives a few years ago, where, we, where might we be now? And what kinds of extra pain might we have suffered and endured? And the fact of living life without God is such a horrible thought mm -hmm. when you know what it is to live God, life with God. How God transforms lives. It's important for us to remember it for ourselves, and then also to remember what God is offering the people around us. Let's talk about the context a little bit. What's the story so far for the church here? This is the history of the early church in the book of Acts. So what's the story so far? What, do you, what has God done? What's happened that's significant so far? Book of Acts so far. Acts 1 and 2. This their first miracle without Jesus there. First miracle without Jesus being around. Yes, physically around. Yes. What else has been going on so far? Replaced the apostle. Okay, replaced Judas with Matthias. Mm -hmm. All right. And they've got the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Holy yeah. well, Spirit has come. The promised Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two. Day of Pentecost. All right. Anything else? Significant events. Simon? Church has been growing. Uh, number. Yeah. I mean, three thousand people baptized, and then it seems it continues. The Lord added to the number daily those who were being saved at the end of chapter two. That's just right before what we just read. People are making transformative decisions. Mm -hmm. Instead of being transformed, also they're making wrong decisions, self-possessions. Selling their possessions. To be committed. Yeah. People's lives and what they did with their lives were changing. Yeah, they weren't doing that before that, and now they are doing it. Right. Good stuff. Anything else? <coughs> Significant events from the first few two chapters. They started having communion. Yeah. Mm. Communion becomes a thing. Mm. For the church. <laughs> yeah, like we just did. The fullness of the message is preached for the first time. Peter preaches the first, you could call it the first Christian sermon, mm. right, in Acts 2. Yeah. 
And so he puts it all together, the whole package of what Jesus came to do and what God has been doing in history, even up to this point, the whole of Israelite history. He puts it all together for the first time. And we see for the first time people respond by getting baptized, repenting and being baptized for forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We see a church, that a group of people who were disparate, they were Jewish, but they weren't bonded by Christ. But we see that when that happens, they begin to devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, breaking of bread, fellowship, prayer. They're very devoted people, brought together by something bigger than just their ethnic or racial or even religious background identity. That identity is now different. It's in Christ. So we have a body of people. That's the story so far. And as we go into chapter 3, we're beginning a section, 3, 4, and 5. Those chapters um, talk about the way in which the first Christians were brought into conflict with the authorities. And we, we don't see that directly in chapter 3, setting it up for chapters 4 and 5, where we'll see that conflict played out, and where people will try to stop them preaching the gospel. And that's helpful for us, as we then think about what might stop us from preaching the gospel. But we'll come on to that in chapters 4 and 5. So we have uh, some people who are going somewhere in this chapter, and somebody, somebody who's going nowhere. Um, Peter and John are going to the temple at 3 in the afternoon, and the beggar is going nowhere. He's sat there. So we have a bit of a contrast uh, right here. And he is lame from birth. What story in the Gospel does that remind you of? He's lame from birth. That phrase. What does it remind you of? A, a, a situation in the Gospel. Not from birth necessarily, but actually that was my second question, which was what does the... The fact he was carried to the mm-hmm. temple courts remind you of, and that reminds me of Mark 3, where he's mm-hmm. carried by the friends to meet Jesus. So, yes. Right, yeah. Paul the Southern? Uh, not, yeah, but not that one I'm thinking of. He was, he was laid for a long time, but from birth. Who was blind from birth? The blind man. I don't think he's got a name, he? No. John 9. Okay, so he was blind from birth. And I think these things are, are, are significant. They're, they're recorded for a reason. Why might what might, might that reason be? Not just he's lame. He's lame from birth. He's always been that way. He's always been that way. He doesn't know anything else. No. Is this about touching the Pharisees who thought that it was a reflection on your parents' sin or something? Sin. That's the thing that comes out in John nine. Yeah. yeah. All right. But also, is it just that it's not like he got better coincidentally, you know, that he suddenly recovered from whatever it was that, right. you know, well, caused the blindness that it was from there. This guy wasn't looking for him, he wasn't asking for him. No, he was looking mm. for money. Yeah. Okay. And I think those are all, sorry, Simon, go ahead. Some people are, even to this day, a professional, you know, um, Beggars, you know, so they could actually be putting on sometimes, you know. Possibly. But he was known as a man lame from birth. So I think in this yeah, case, yeah, that's fine. That's I think the point is, everybody there knew that he was lame. Yeah. He was lame from birth. <laughs> and therefore, the miracle has more impact. <laughs> and it is definitively Christ-like. Here is someone who's healed that it's impossible to see that he could not be 
that they could get better, yeah. and it would remind people of John 9, and remind people of Mark 3. He was not only physically healed, he was mentally healed as well, because he, su he suddenly knew how to walk. Ah, yes. So we'll, go, we'll come on to that. Ah. Yeah, no, 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 that's fine. We'll, we'll get there in a little bit. So, ironically, this man who has ugliness in his life, and although attitudes have changed towards disability, but in a, if you understand the sense of the fact that he's, he's obviously crippled, an ugly person is laid at the beautiful gate. Um, there's a bit of a, I don't know, kind of an irony there, perhaps. The beautiful gate, there's three possible locations for it, but it was probably the main entrance to the temple. So if you had the temple as a, an, as a rectangle, one end had the big doors and gates, <clears throat> and it was most likely there that he was laid. It was the, it was the prime begging spot. If you're going to be a, a lame man begging, that's the best place to be. Particularly at this time, after Pentecost, it's the Feast of the Tabernacles which was the time for the Jewish people to be, when they were their most generous. And so it's a bit like <coughs> at Christmas, people tend to give more to charity. And it was that kind of time that we're dealing with when Peter and John go to the temple for this special time. So people generally would give quite generously to the beggar. So he was in the right place at the right time for that. But something else, God had something else uh, in mind. Um, they go together to the temple, Peter and John, reminds us that we need uh, a gospel buddy. Um, you know, Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. And this isn't my main point, but I just wanted to throw in there that I think I find it so much easier to share my faith in, in whatever sense that means when I'm accompanied by somebody else. When I've got somebody with me, it helps my courage, it helps my faith. And I'd like to encourage us to think about circumstances in which we reach out, to try and let our light shine, people we're trying to help to understand the gospel, whether we could bring somebody else in to help. Maybe you're the only relationship with that man or woman. Well, why not try and find another person to be a, a gospel buddy together? Uh, just a side point, but I think it's really important that we work together. Jesus did teach that, and they demonstrated. And what do they do? They go to the temple, and they notice the man. Isn't it nice to be noticed? Well, noticed when you want to be noticed, anyway. Uh, <clears throat> it's nice to be noticed. And they notice him in the crush in the crowd. There was a crowd. It was a festival time. Their minds could have been on the festival. Their minds could have been on the prayer they were going to uh, participate in. But they notice him. He's there begging. And when he saw Peter and John, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him. How do you think that made him feel? Hmm. Lots of possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Uncomfortable. Yeah. Uncomfortable. More maybe hopeful. More hopeful. <laughs> could be one, could be the other. We don't know. Mel said a good word. Acknowledge. That's actually a brilliant word. Acknowledge. Yes. Significance. Mm. Right. I've noticed you. I'm looking straight at you. And what do you think the guy was hoping to, to, to receive? Mm. A silver Oh God, that's what he was uh, expecting. What did he receive? Mm. Uh -huh. But it's interesting because it says Peter looked straight at him. Mm -hmm. 
but Peter had to ask him to look at them mm -hmm. before. He's not expecting human connection. Yeah. yeah. He would give him money, it would be kind of, uh, be a personal thing. Right. It would be a, it would give him some money. Half of generous to them. Yes. So is it by bit society as opposed to connection with connection? You can imagine a guy sitting there, um, not looking at people, but knowing they're going past. He's, he's looking, his gaze is down. People who do give him money would be putting it there or possibly throwing it in a pot. They're probably not looking at him, they're just walking past just putting something. We've all done that, right? Yeah. To people, whether it's a beggar or someone busking or collecting for charity. It's true sometimes. Put the money in the little box or something, not even make eye contact. Sometimes just the person collecting doesn't make eye contact. Sometimes we don't, we're busy, we're going somewhere. Um, but the magical thing here is that Peter and John notice him, they look, they, they, they look at him, and they tell him, look at us. They want the connection, there's a connection here. They notice him, and then he is, is noticed and feels it, he's, he's acknowledged. I think so much of life is about being in the moment. So much of healthy <coughs> Christian life, and life in general, is about being in the moment. And I struggle with this. I, I have a tendency to be going, I'm going, I'm already somewhere else in my mind. And I don't know how much of this is my natural personality and how much of it is the training I received as a child in music, for example, and in sport and things. If you're, it's, you know, in playing sport, you're thinking about if you're playing football, well, where's the pass going to go? Where, what's happening? What's coming? What's happening? You know, that person coming to me, that person available over there, Simon, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're, you're thinking that way. In music, you're, you're kind of singing what you're singing, or playing what you're playing, and you know this, but you're thinking about the next bar, or the next line, or the, you know, you're not even thinking about the words you're singing, you're thinking about the next phrase, and I don't know how much of that's to do with the way I think now, but I have a tendency to think about where I'm going, rather than where I am, and I'm trying to, try to change that. Um, I want to be better at being in the moment with whoever I'm with. And as Christians, we've got to work at that. For some of the, for some of us, this is more natural than for others. But if it's not natural, then we really need to think about it and ask ourselves how we can be more like Peter and John here, so that we can truly can notice people to start with, and then connect with them. I must admit that uh, Tim and Siobhan Dan. I'm a good example to me in this. Uh, we meet for a staff meeting every Tuesday lunchtime. And two weeks ago, we were in Gerard's Cross, not too far from here. And we were in a, a pizza restaurant. And when, I, when I'm in these meetings, I'm, I'm about the meeting. Come on, let's, let's talk about stuff, right? <laughs> and let's get stuff done. And, um, and Tim and Shelley want to get stuff done. But one of the things they always do is they interact with the waiter and the waitress. <coughs> Significantly interactive. Right. Really? <laughs> so, they, they always, they come, the waiter will come over, would you like a drink? They'll always say, oh, yes, please, and how are you today? 
I mean, not just, yeah, I'd like an Americano, please, no milk, that'd be great. And then, how are you? Oh, I think, did we see you here last time? Yes, what are your shifts like? There's a whole conversation goes on. And then, uh, here they come back to take your order. And the conversation is, what would you suggest? What do you think is good on the menu? What do people like? What do people order? Most? And there's a whole conversation. I'm like, I just like my Caesar salad. Thank you very much. I mean, get on with And there's a whole conversation. They go away. They bring back the food. And this goes on again and again and again until we get to the end and we and, and to pay the bill. And then it's so. So uh, do you live here? You do. Yeah, do you live near here? Yeah. And then there's a whole conversation about where we live and how often we go to this pizza restaurant. And we've been to another one in Sunningdale. Do you know the manager there? I mean, and I, I you know, I've got things to do. Um, the, two weeks ago, this conversation was going on with the manager. And they said, where do you live? And he said, oh, I live in Watford. Yeah. Oh, oh, maybe this conversation is important after all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, do you? I, I live next to Watford in Croxley Green. And uh, so I joined in the conversation now. I usually leave Tim Shelley to it. But uh, now I'm part of the conversation. And he's a lovely chap. He lives uh, on uh, in between Whippendale and Rickmansworth Road right there. He's lived there for a few years. He's got a, a young child. Uh, would he like to come to church? Yes, he's quite interested. It's walking distance from where he lives. And he, I give him my details. And... Let's pray it'll, you know, things work out and we'll be going back to that pizza restaurant quite soon. So I'll have another, I will this time notice him and give him my attention. And, but the thing is, you never know, do you? We never know what God might have done to arrange things. What's the chances that he and I and Tim and Shelley, Gerard Cross, what? I don't know. But God has a plan. Mm -hmm. But it, God can't, the Spirit can't do what the Spirit wants to do unless we notice him. And unless we connect. So I want to encourage us to do that, even if some, many, much of the time sowing doesn't seem to produce fruits. Mm -hmm. We've got to keep sowing. Amen? Yeah. So that's the first thing. Now, the second part, here, from verse 6 down to verse 11, that first part really is about um, how the Spirit puts us together and noticing. The second part here is about the Spirit's power. <coughs> Excuse me. So Peter says, I don't have any gold or silver. Strictly speaking, I suppose, not literally correct, since there were some funds available to the church in Acts 2, it looks like. But the point is not how much money or Peter or John has. Uh, it's about Jesus. What I do have, I give you. And so he says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. What gave Peter this confidence, do you think? This is a vulnerable thing to say. What if it doesn't work? Mm. I mean, it's, it's a risky thing to proclaim. What, what do you think is giving Peter the confidence, the momentum, to do this, say this. Maybe because Jesus told him to walk. Mm -hmm. Yeah, on the, on the water. Okay. Yeah. 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 But also everything that he's just seen happen. You know, he's just seen Christ crucified, then risen from the dead, then they've received the Holy Spirit. You know, I mean, and you know, thousands being saved. Mm -hmm. Like he's seen the whole fulfilment of 
of everything that, you know, and his understanding is so different and he must just have been like a complete overflow, like there is nothing that God mm. can't do. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Think about how I feel after seeing someone and I didn't even know they baptized. You know when you see yeah. that? I didn't even know the person you visited visiting yeah. Harrow and it's someone, you know, just that feeling you feel. And then if you've enrolled in the studies or met them or knew them yes. before, just how you feel. And then 3,000 and then more. Mm. I just think the more people who make the decision to do it really encourages my faith. So this must be Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I just remember having previously they didn't have enough faith to do things <laughs> in the gospels and how God, you know Jesus said this this only comes out by this this type of thing only comes out by prayer and there was there's a there's a few times historically when I don't think they would have done this because they didn't have all of the events mm. and all of the things that just happened to see that completeness that you talked about at the start in the first, you know first couple of chapters and mm. I think there's, a, there's an element of I don't know, I think I think there would have been a kind of like we've seen all these things happen, it's amazing. There would I don't know, I think there would also have been maybe an element of is this gonna is this gonna work almost? Mm. Because mm. it's the first time they're really they're really gonna do this miracle thing. Yes. You know, this is the first miracle they're gonna do with the Holy Spirit in them mm -hmm. that's been given to them. So I think there's it's quite a major, quite a major thing for them to do, and as it as it consequently goes on to do, to give the praise back to God, and not just, but the Jesus of Nazareth, the one you remember you crucified. The whole sense of structure they use is very much a. We've we've seen this, we've done it, and we want to see if this works ourselves. We make sure the the, the praise goes to the right person. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, so, like, of all the people who's going to jump in feet first. It's going to be Peter. It's going to be Peter. He was the right man for the occasion. I think God knew that though when he spoke to Peter on the beach. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think when Jesus spoke yeah. to him and said, this is what you're going to do. Yes. And I think he, he's already given him the instructions so he knows this is what I've got to do. This is what I've got to do because I've, I've, you know, he, he messed up, but Jesus brought him back and said, right. Yeah, I'll go and do this. Mm. Yeah. And so he's had his instructions, and he's like, yeah. "Okay, let's go for it." Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and I think that's what he's—he's he's just following through. Okay, he's got confidence in his calling, yeah, he, he right? He, he, okay, this is this is actually what I meant to do. Right? Mm. It's a risk. It's scary. Mm. Christian life never gets beyond scary. It, it doesn't. None of it's really the Christian life. We, it, it's always a bit risky. We're, we're always growing, if we're growing in our faith, we're always reaching for something else that God might do. Whether that's um, helping someone become a Christian, whether it's ending up um, uh, serving in using your gifts in some way, whether it's leading in some capacity, uh, and there's always another stage of faith risk. And I, I appreciate Peter so much. I mean, he gets a you know, he gets kind of knocking in the uh, yeah. in the gospel and all that, fine. But oh my goodness, to be able to just step out there and say, I've never done this before, but yeah. get up and walk. I mean, <laughs> even though he knew Jesus, even though he'd seen the miracles. I mean, I've seen God do amazing things. I'm still hesitant sometimes. Yeah. I really appreciate Peter so much. Good on you, Peter. Um, in the name of Jesus, we're told... We haven't got time to look at these now, but in John 14, and John 15, and John 16, Jesus promises them, if you pray in my name, if you ask for things in my name, it will be done. And that's one of the reasons why this is used in the name of Jesus. Not in my power, Peter, 
but in the name of Jesus. Yeah. That's our confidence. It's in Jesus and what he has done. Takes him by the right hand. I love the detail there in the account. Of course, the, the lame man must also put out his hand. It's a cooperative action here. There's faith in the, to some level that the lame man must yeah. have. So anybody that we want to help become a Christian, that person, if they are interested in becoming a Christian, has got to be making their own steps as we help them and yeah. hopefully together work, bring them to God. And uh, it's tactile. It's, there's touch here. Mm-hmm. It's, it's personal. Uh, what's going on? Cuts him up, up, jumps to his feet, walks, goes into the temple. Can you imagine? He's never been allowed in the temple. No one lame is allowed in the temple. Even, even not just not lame, but you have to be able to walk perfectly. You can't even have a limp. And he then goes into the temple for the first time. How emotional that must be! And he's walking, not only walking, he's jumping. You can just imagine it, right? Jumping around. Praising God, they see him walking, praising God, and they recognize him that he's the same guy, and they're filled with wonder and amazement. The power of the Spirit working through people who notice, who pay attention, who make personal connection, who take a risk for God. What does that mean for us? What does that mean for you and me this week? What does it mean for you and I to, by the Spirit's prompting, notice people, to pay attention to people? To offer them, let's think about this, just what we have. Peter and John lacked many things, but they had what this man needed. Every one of us here who is a Christian has what somebody else needs in this world. You do have it. You might not have all the training. You might not have all the money. You might not have all the education you think is important. You might. I don't know what you think you might. You don't have. We've all got our lists. But you do have what somebody in this world needs. There's somebody that every one of us can help become a Christian to find this power of God so that they can, perhaps metaphorically, walk and jump and praise God loudly in the kingdom rather than in the temple. But you have it, and I have it. I think we need to, we need to hold on to this confidence. And if we don't have that confidence, we need to talk about it and find ways to regain that confidence that you personally have what somebody in this world needs to find healing from God. We all have it. And I think that is part of the message of this and why it's written here. And we don't have time today to look at the speech that Peter uh, then gives about Jesus, so we'll have to leave that for now, although it is powerful and wonderful the way he talks about Jesus. But we'll have to skip it for now. What I'd like to do is finish with a prayer. Uh, I have to ask two people to pray. And just to pray about these themes in this uh, passage of noticing, connecting, offering what we have, having a, a risky faith confidence that we just put for God, and it's about Jesus and his name that gives us the power and the authority to share our faith and try and help people to be healed with God. So, could I have a couple of people pray? Two people like to who would pray for us. We'll do Ogan and we'll do somebody else. One other. And Tunde's pointing at Charlotte, which means Tunde's going to point at Charlotte. That's the way that works. Okay, and then Tunde.
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word, Lord, that's written all those many years ago, but it's still life to us, Lord, it's still a guide to us, Lord. We thank you for your Holy Spirit, Lord, it's amazing to see the way that your Holy Spirit resulted in all these acts that we're reading about, and to know it's the same Spirit that is inside us. We thank you because we know that you can do similar things in our lives, you can transform us. I pray, Father, that you open our eyes to see that, to see and recognize it, even though it looks, it might look different than the healing of a beggar. Father, let us still have the faith that you can transform us, Father. The problems that we have, the struggles that we have in life today are different, Father. And I really pray that you can um, open our eyes to see that people need you in very much the same way, that your Holy Spirit can work in, in very much the same way. Um, I pray, Father, that you will help us to to notice people more in our daily life, Lord, and, you know, to take the example from Tim and Chevy and what Michael shared, and just talk to people that we um, we encounter, Father. I know that even as as a, as a mom, Father, as someone that works, you, you just our opportunities of meeting people are, are just endless. Father, I pray that you help us all to see those little opportunities in our circle and, and to really believe, God, that we have something that will help someone uh, find healing in you, Father. And, it, and it, it might take ages, it might look different, Father, but I pray that you give us that courage to keep sowing, as Martha said, Lord. I pray that you um, can help us even in our personal lives, Lord, to, to just have the faith that you can transform our weaknesses, that you can transform our struggles into, into like testimonies that we can share about and, and areas of strength that we can come to support each other in. I pray that, that nobody here struggles alone, Father. I pray that you open our eyes to, to each other and help us to be a great support to each other. Help us to, to also notice each other, to acknowledge each other, and to be able to touch each other's lives. Help us, Lord, to move away from the superficial and go to that deep connection that you, you, you want from us. The way that we can move in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. I thank you so much for this time. I thank you for just everybody being here, God. I thank you for the springtime, even though it's raining now. It just gives us that, you know, new hope. New seasons always give us that feeling of joy and, and new hope. I pray, God, Father, that you will um, do great things in Watford and do great things in each of our lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Heavenly Father, um, it's so easy for us to actually forget that you are the Lord of our lives, that you're actually the one who created us. And, um, and the worries of life sometimes really get in the way for us to appreciate you and to give glory to you, Heavenly Father. And because of this, we often miss the opportunity to actually live a life that is in your way, um, a life that is often very not open to be transformed and be lifted by your spirit, which you have granted us, Heavenly Father. Um, we pray that um, we will find it within our heart to, to always um, rely on you and to believe that um, just like the lame person, that we could be lifted and not just only lifted to walk, that we can actually run, we can achieve great things, Lord, Heavenly Father. We can reach out to people around us. We can reach out to people who are even further afield. If we will actually give you the opportunity to transform our lives, oh Lord. It will give ourselves the opportunity for the Spirit to live inside us. 
Heavenly Father, um, it's not really um, easy, and um, it cannot be easy for us um, because of the worries of life that we um, put upon ourselves. But um, but you have given us your Son, O Lord, whom we almost put upon a tree, and um, whom actually is here to to, um, to be our salvation, to redeem us, Heavenly Father. And, um, and every single day we should be joyful, O Lord. Every single day we should be happy and we should rejoice in your glory that we are saved, that our salvation is guaranteed, O Lord. And from this position of comfort, this position of security, it should actually be, it should be something we should use to launch our faith into others, O Heavenly Father, so that they will actually see the mighty work that you have done in our lives. And every single day, every single thing that we do, it's a miracle, but we take it for granted, O Lord, Heavenly Father. Being able to sit, being able to stand, being able to talk, we take all this for granted. And we only appreciate every now and then when you remind us, maybe by a little bit of a cold or flu, then suddenly we realize that, my goodness, just breathing is actually quite a, it's quite a task, O Lord, Heavenly Father. You remind us of this little thing. And, um, and because we always asking and longing for more, Heavenly Father, we never appreciate what you've given us. And as a result, your glory, your, your, your warmth there, that you have surrounded us, it never reaches other people around us, Heavenly Father. Dear Father in Heaven, I pray that you put it in our hearts, in this church, the Watford Church, and to make it a point to be your ambassador, O Lord, Heavenly Father, to be the one to actually help you stay to grow, and within our community, with our neighbors, our friends and families, and not actually be shackled down by the by the spirit of fear, by the spirit of input, by the spirit of what's in it for me, dear Lord Heavenly Father. Let us get up in the morning and feel radiated and feel empowered to say, Heavenly Father, I am going to live for you and I am going to share my faith. I want other people to share in the love. The, the joy, the security that you have provided for us, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father. I pray that you will empower us, you strengthen us, and, um, and your spirit, um, and your and the wisdom, the knowledge, which is beyond understanding, you will grant to most of us, and every single one of us that pray and ask, O oh Lord, Heavenly Father. Um, we thank you for being able to gather here this, this morning um, in the Shalom Brother's house. And, um, and we thank you, God, for, for Malcolm, for, this, for, the, for the servant, and for everyone who's serving the Lord, Heavenly Father. I'd like to pray for those who are not present here today. Barry and his family, who are away on holiday, thank you with them and bring them back safely. And um, for, for Bill, who's probably cannot join us for any reason. And for Patricia, who's not here with us, we pray that um, you, you be with her and, and your healing hands and your own heart, Lord and Father. Um, I commit um, each and every single one of us and our families and our kids and wives in your name, Lord and Father. And you continue to shower us with your blessing and your grace and your mercy, Heavenly Father. I pray all this in your son's name. Amen. Amen.